Hello, welcome back to the Speaking Up with Emily podcast. I'm excited to be here. It is the last day of 2023, and I have been procrastinating on finishing up getting this episode ready to post, and here it is, last minute before the end of the new year. So I hope you enjoy The topic that we discuss is education. I talked to one of my old friends, Ruben, and this was awesome. Ruben is a fan of the podcast. Shout out to Ruben for being a fan. Thank you. Um, And he is really fun to talk to about education. He is just starting out in the field of teaching. Um, Well, he's been in the field, but he has his first classroom um, teaching role this school year. So it's actually been a while since we talked. We recorded this over the summer. So we will definitely have to get some updates from Ruben at some point. But hope you enjoy this conversation. And as a reminder, this podcast is just about talking about you know, our own personal observations and experiences. We are not experts on these subjects. And we even talk about that in the episode. But again, just a reminder to look things up for yourself. Um, You know, even I actually went back and looked up more about charter schools, for example, because we were discussing the funding. And I found out that, you know, charter schools are technically public schools. They get funded from different sources. It could be federal. It could be state. It could be local. Um, And I read a a whole bunch about it to try to talk about it just now. And I still kind of felt confused about it. So if anything, that just goes to, to show that these things, they get confusing. And so that's why I think sometimes people shy away from talking about them. But the whole point, again, of this podcast is to just talk about it anyway you know, we are welcome to hear your feedback. If you've had similar experiences, different experiences, if you know something about something that we don't know or that we were talking about, um, we came up with quite a few questions, I think, even. So again, this was just meant to be um, a back and forth and I enjoyed it and I hope you do too. All right, let's get to the episode. Welcome to the Speaking Up with Emily podcast. Today I have a guest and this is someone who I knew many years ago in college and I thought would be a great person to interview because he is currently working as a teacher and we all know schools have a lot of issues. (laughs) So Ruben, hello, welcome, how are you doing? (laughs) Hi, Emily. I am totally fine, and it feels great to finally be able to do this and get on this podcast with you. I've been a huge fan, been following your work. (laughs) So um, I hope that, yeah, today's episode is, you know, also quite um, joyful and um, interesting for listeners out there. Yeah. So why don't you tell us just like a random thing about yourself just to sort of like get a, before we get into the school and teacher related stuff, what's something random about you that we could know? Ooh, I always struggle with this question, um, or this prompt, I should say. Um, guess something random. Or the other thing I thought about. The last fun thing you did, that could also tell us a bit about who you are. I just want to get to know a little bit about the person beyond the teacher. Yes. Let's let's do something random. I feel like that's all, that's always fun. So something random about me is, and this happened like a, like years ago, um, when I was like a junior in college, I filmed this web series, uh, with one of my other friends, um, and it was a supernatural web series called Rover's Hill. Um, and it's on YouTube. If okay. anyone is ever curious. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was like, uh, just a fun little summer project, um, uh, that we got to do. And yeah. Wait, what was the theme? Did you say? 
So it was a it was a supernatural like web series, uh, basically like a teen drama, um, and it was called Rover Seals about these teenagers who find out that they have powers. Uh, Wait. This was like in the heyday of like you know supernatural shows, like teen shows, like The Vampire Diaries and stuff like that. So that's cool though. Did you guys write the storylines? We did. It was it was based. It was actually based on um, my friends. She did like a or they did like a story. They wrote a story um, years before we started filming, and we got to talking because we always wanted to do like a filming film like project, and we settled on adapting that story into like a 10 episode series um, wow so we wrote each episode and it was it was really fun and not a lot of people know that <laughs> no that was a great answer to my prompt so even though you had to think about it i'm glad you shared that and i am definitely gonna have to go watch at least one clip or episode <laughs> or even the trailer <laughs> i think the trailer okay. will probably not want you to continue on. <laughs> really Gotta give your project credit. Um, cool, cool. Well, thank you for sharing that. How about then the teacher side of you? How did Ruben get into teaching schools, working with kids? What was your journey? Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like I've always... I've always been interested and passionate about, like, education. Um, I have a lot of family members who who work in education as well. Um, so that interest was always there. Um, and I remember, like, as a young kid, like, I would, like, teach these imaginary kids in my bedroom uh, at a very young age. And, like, I, I convinced my parents to buy me, like, a whiteboard uh, with markers <laughs> The whole, the whole shebang, and yeah, that was like fun for me, and I felt like at that, like, at those like instances, I realized, hey, maybe I want to be a teacher one day. Um, but I feel like the passion really didn't come out as much until I got into um, school or like college. I went to college and I majored in history. Uh, with boop, see any history majors or lovers out there? I'm sure there are. Um, <laughs> Not myself, <laughs> necessarily, but... <laughs> uh, but no, like, I uh, I was... I really found out how much I love history and being able to teach it was even more um, interesting for me. Um, and, yeah, like, I... I guess I should say that I... After I graduated college, I didn't want to get into teaching, per se, because... You know, like I knew, I knew the reality. I knew that they didn't get paid as much, um, or so. Like that was my mindset. So I just tried to get into teaching another way through the informal track. So by working at the children's museum, that I think we talked about. Briefly. Yeah. So let's pause there for a second, because it sounds like when you were in school, you were studying history, but were you in any type of like education curriculum as well? So yeah, actually no. Um, and that's kind of why it's, it's kind of taken me this long to get to where I am now. Um, but no, so it was just learning like, you know, like the, like just the content, um, and then it's taking like specialized courses, um, teaching about history. Um, and I feel mm -hmm. like I did do volunteer work at schools at the time. And even those experiences I realized wow like this is really fun working with like high school students um just like helping teachers in whatever like support that they need in the classroom um and that's that was really like eye-opening for me and I feel like also contributed to my interest in working in the classroom eventually right so when you got out of college though you got a job at a museum and yes. what was that like for you and how did that lead you eventually to actually formally teaching in schools yeah so i'm gonna s i'm hard-headed <laughs> my parents have always told me that um so i feel like being exposed to you know working in the classroom you know, like at a, like the college level age like i knew that i wanted to end up there 
I just kept pushing it off. Um, so my work at the museum, um, I, I had several positions there. I started out as like a like museum educator working on the, the museum floor. Um, but then my most recent position there was working with school groups and community like outreach. So like going out into the community um, in the San Francisco Bay Area, that is. Um, and we had like this, uh, we call it a tri-truck, um, where it was like this STEM mobile, like on wheels um, truck that we took all around the Bay Area to schools and yeah, did programming for like the students there. And again, like as it happened in college, being exposed to the students, getting to work with them, getting to collaborate with the teachers even, the staff there. It was super fun for me. And I realized that I wanted to have a longer relationship with students um, like year round instead of just a day or two when we were doing the programs. Right. Um, Did you ever like meet a super cool student and you were like, oh, I wish you were my student? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I've met so many, even my students who are, like, just too cool for me. Oh, like, they're, yeah. they're too cool. Like, and it's just, and I feel like that's what um, the really cool thing about, like, the teaching profession in general. Like, you come into contact with so many, like, inspiring and really just good nature, like, kids and students who are willing and want to learn. Um, and yeah, it, it, it feels good that, you know, you have that kind of like relationship and that bond with them. Um, or you hope to establish that, you know? As yeah. A yeah, I, yeah. I also work with kids and only have been for almost two years. And like, they're just special, right? Like they're super special. Yeah. I'm curious though, like there's different ways to work with kids, right? What did you think about the schools that you were visiting and kind of the different settings that you were getting exposed to? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Like, again, we, um, like our, our program or like our department, again, we went to, um, it's nine counties in the Bay Area. We went to all of those nine counties. Um, and we mostly focused on Title I like schools and like like different like programs. So it was like those those schools that were usually and mostly like underserved, who didn't have like all like the resources um, and access as like, you know, well off schools do. Mm -hmm. um, and so I felt like going to their school with this huge truck and just like imagine you're a kid you know you're fourth fourth grade third grade and you see this huge truck come to your school campus and you know it's like wow like you start to wonder like what is this what did i do to like deserve this kind of fun interactive um learning experience um and i could always see that in like the students like eyes and like just their the way that they would navigate through all the things that we brought um and when we would do this when we would do these programs at like well-off schools um and i'm just making a comparison here um you could see that the stuff that we brought they had already had access to them and then they were like okay like what's just another next, you know? random activity that the school organized that exactly. maybe they're exactly. excited about, maybe not. Yes, yes. And, like, again, we were a museum. So the museum is kind of located. Um, it's not easily, like, navigatable or is that a word? Uh, sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, you can't easily get to the museum is what I'm trying to say. Um, unless you have like a car. Um, and so I felt like they would always, the schools that we would go to that were, you know, kind of like well off, um, they will always come to the museum because they, they have the means to, um, versus the schools that we usually went to mostly, um, they could not afford to, or they were just too far from us. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of why I felt like I kind of resonated more with the students who, you know, just really enjoyed and kind of just took advantage of what we brought them um, to, like, build whatever they wanted. Um, again, it was a STEM museum, so it was kind of, like, about, like, tinkering and what you can make with, like, some tools or materials. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, I feel like that's kind of like what kind of pushed me to working in that kind of environment um, as a teacher um, or in that kind of community, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and that's yeah. interesting to think about, right? Because like what I'm thinking is almost like those kids were maybe more grateful for the opportunity. Yes. And obviously there's nuance. I'm sure some of the kids at the more well-off schools also had a ball. I'm sure some of the lower income schools, there was kids that weren't into it, but I totally understand in general, like how schools can just feel so different depending on their funding, but then also, yeah, just like the the students, the teachers, like what could you kind of tell us about schools in general? It sounds like you've been to a lot of different ones like you mentioned also title one earlier like is there sort of a easy explanation for people who aren't familiar with that term what that means or how schools are categorized yeah so and i it, that's a very like loaded question so i'll try like if you can okay. like talking on and going like off the radar just let me know um but yeah, obviously schools come in like just like human bodies. They come in all different shapes and sizes. Um, like as a standard, there are always like you know public schools, um, traditional like district wide schools that are funded by the government, um, and then there are charter schools and I guess like private schools that does get some government fund money, but it's mostly they get money from like outside like organizations and institutions and um, it's not federally funded mostly it's like locally funded okay. so that's how they're able to do or they're able to be a little bit more flexible on how they spend their money um, and what they're focusing on oh um, that makes sense because obviously with federal funding comes I don't know, certain requirements, or they want to know, how are you using this money? Exactly. Um, What's, like, an example of typical organizations that would fund a charter school? Is it, like, yeah, I mean, that That could be another big question, but I just realized I feel, like, above my pay grade, because I (laughs) I wanted to ask that, because I'm, next year, I'll be working for a charter school, and I felt like I wanted to kind of research how we, how that school was getting their money mostly um, to, like, you know, kind of, like, raise that up as, like, you know, during the interview to make them know that I researched. Um, but right. I feel like um, I never got around to it. Um, but I, I feel like they would just be, like, kind of, like, nonprofit organizations, right? Or just... Um, mm-hmm. That was... That was my guess, too, and I think it's an interesting topic in general, and like you said, like, maybe you're still learning about it. I obviously know very little about it, but the whole debate of, like, in areas where the public schools don't have good funding, is it better for kids to have access to charter schools and just how sort of the privatization of education impacts the education system? Do you have any opinions on that? Like, in you, you know, share or not share? Because I know it can be somewhat controversial even. Yeah. Um, but just any thoughts? Yeah, no. Um, so I've also been, like, like kind of um, when I've told people that I'm working at a charter school, they're like, oh, well, that you're working with, I guess, like, um, how do they phrase it? They... It's that kind of like, oh, like you're working at a um, not not better school, but um, a more like, I guess, flexible school that, you know, like you don't have, you're not going to have like 
as many kids in a classroom as like traditional like public schools do um or things like that um mm-hmm. people have these like ideas and connotations with public versus charter versus private however what i have seen and what i've experienced it it depends on the school mm-hmm. um there are some public schools that are like they have so many more resources than like like some private schools do um, that I've realized that it just it depends on what kind of community you are in, like what kind of city. Um, mm-hmm. Because I, I do feel like community support does wonders to the kind of school or the how the school is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you need community support to really help students succeed, no matter what. Um, and so I feel like the public schools that I've been working in, um, that seemed to be like really like helpful for students and like, like sets them up for success. They have a huge amount of support from the community, um, whether it's through the PTA, um, or again, just like, like local funding. Um, mm-hmm. it just really depends. So that's why I feel like I can't, there's no like, Oh, all public schools are this, and all charter schools and private schools are this. You know, it's, it's it just depends on the on a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Because I mean, I went to public high school, but I grew up in a you know a community that you know the school did have good funding. We had tons of extracurricular activities available to us. Yeah. You know, we had great like I don't know whatever those like testing scores whatever um and I mean now I'm living in Philly and I do I do go into schools and I I feel like most of the public schools well I guess I don't want to comment on the city of Philadelphia and their schools because I don't know enough but even charter schools I feel like sometimes have the same issues that can come up in public schools um one example coming to mind just being like overcrowded classrooms like that could even like there are so many factors that impact how a school functions exactly um i i'm sorry i i'm just curious like is this a contributing factor because you say like you go into philly like is i wonder is it like an inner city kind of problem as like traditional public schools in these like big cities are like are they different from schools that are like kind of like outside of the city like yes yes because I I mean at least with Philadelphia I grew up about an hour outside of Philadelphia and again had access to like top-notch education versus Every public school I've been in in Philadelphia has been, you know, even just the physical buildings falling apart, like, just very, and I don't know enough about the nuances of the funding or anything like that, but you've worked in, you mentioned a few states even, like, you're currently in California, but you also have worked in Pennsylvania and Texas, is that right? So, Texas and Virginia. Okay, okay. Yeah. But yeah, no, Texas and Virginia. Virginia is where I um, I went to college and, you know, did, like, volunteer work at a number of schools. And then Texas is just where I went to school and, um, yeah, kind of got my, like, my footing. Right. So, did you <laughs> notice... But yeah. And, like, did you notice any major differences, like, state to state, or is it more so, like, you were saying, just smaller scale community to community yeah no it's definitely i feel like just what i've noticed personally is just it's the community like like input um or support um i i went to um like it was a a private like christian school um i'm not gonna name the school but uh (laughs) it was it was quite quite an experience uh, <laughs> um i i do wish um 
and I know we're not even talking about regrets, um, but I do wish that I did have like a more traditional educational education experience in high school at least, um, because I felt like, again, the problem with charter and private schools is that you're able to be selective in your students mm. and who you're accepting and when all of you all think kind of alike or like, you know, you're, you're going to a private Christian school for one reason. Like most of you all are, um, that was kind of like the gist. So I felt like I wish I could be around more of a diverse group of people who had Mm -hmm. different like ideas and beliefs and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I'm veering off. Um, yeah, I just, I feel like the schools that I, kind of worked in or worked at in Virginia, um, it was kind of the same things that I saw here in California. Um, some schools, again, had just so much more support from the community, had like just laptops provided for their students, um, all these different techno- technological like resources. Um, and then other schools, and now that I wanted to bring up the inner city thing, is that I saw that the inner, like, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Norfolk, Virginia, like ge- like geography. Okay. Heard of it. Yeah. Okay. So like schools, um, it's like, it's called the Hampton Roads area. Hmm. Um, and so the biggest, or the big cities, like obviously Hampton. Um, and I feel like once you get, once you got more into like deeper into the city, you saw like what problems like you brought up, like, you know, rundown buildings. Um, and it's just, it's really interesting to like see, um, even at a young, young age that I was like to see how, I don't, I don't know how to say it. Like, well, and uh, part of just disclaimer, part of this podcast is talking about things that sometimes are uncomfortable to talk about or to find the right words for. So I'm a big believer in just, you know say it as best you can hopefully people realize we're all imperfect and we're just trying to talk about these things because that's the thing if if we don't know what to say or how to say it then no one says anything right so yes exactly speak on it (laughs) and and that's why i love this podcast you know (laughs) it's it's what we're talking about it's just still like you have this mindset now where like you know if you if you don't say the right thing then you're like um, then you're, you know, you're contributing to the problem or something like that. Right. Even, um, even our conversation earlier with like charter, like, you know, we're just, I'm just trying to be curious, you know, I don't claim to be an expert in any of this. I'm just, and I know you don't claim to be an expert either. So we're just not at all. talking about our impressions and experiences. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Well, no, I really do appreciate that. And I feel like, Again, um, I, I obviously, I feel like the listeners are not going to know that I'm a black man, um, but that is like who I am. Um, mm-hmm. And to kind of notice that the schools, how much support schools get, depending on kind of like the racial like demographic of that school Mm -hmm. um that is a thing that is super like i mean like you don't have to like research a lot to like know that that is an issue Mm -hmm. um and i feel like that is kind of like i feel like a huge um i mean we're we're talking about like you know like kind of like injustice and like unjust like systems um that's like a huge like red flag for me and something that I've kind of been like very devoted to like kind of fix. Um, what, no matter if it's like a big task of uh, mm-hmm. me. Um, but yeah, no, I, I feel like that's kind of like my calling to teaching. Um, I feel like I've kind of veered off. But no, no, this is great. Kind of what my school's no. And I agree. Like that is obviously like, it is an obvious issue. Like most of the low-income schools that I go into or the public schools that are falling apart, like, it is 
mostly, you know, black or Latino or other um, minority, like, students, and it's, it's not, that is not okay that, like, just because of the color of your skin or even your, um, income level, like, the whole point is if we don't give those, I, disadvantage sounds like such a weird word sometimes, but, you know, those disadvantaged groups, if we don't, like, find ways to to build them up then then we're not gonna bridge the gap of inequality in the world right like kids need education to get jobs kids even just learn life skills from school right like I think about participating in a sports thing or theater or whatever like that's not just for fun that's also helping you build social skills or leadership or taking direction Um, and so, like, those opportunities literally are not there, at least for a lot of the low-income schools that I come into contact with, like, pretty much every, I think maybe one school that I can think of offered music and sports, and almost every other school that any of my child clients has gone to, like, they don't have activities. Um... Now, I know I've read, like, certain things about just kind of, like, redlining and funding and how how this still persists. I don't know how much you have looked into sort of the causes of this, but, like, kind of... And I know that's such, like, a big question, too, right? Because we're yeah. talking about this huge systemic issue, but, like, what do you think are some contributing factors. Well, yeah, no. Um, again, I'm not, I just like to preface that I'm not an expert by any means. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, just take what I say with a grain of salt. But um, I, I feel like I work, or I don't work now, um, but my previous, um, the schools that I used to work in, it was in a... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, a well-off commu- a well-off county. Um, it's Marin County. I feel like it's a lot. A lot of people know about it. Um, anyways, um, it's definitely very wealthy. Um, and very, very white. Um, and. Um, so the school that I used to uh, work for when I was doing my student teaching, um, it was a very, it was a school, it was a school that had a very, um, I think literally 1% of like, like 1%, they had 1% black and then like two, like 3%. It was very low, like minority. Um, and they've always had problems with this, but long story short, what I do know of redlining is that I... During my student teaching, I made my uh, students do an assignment. We were talking about, this was government, um, and we were talking about, like, uh, the Supreme Court and the judicial system. Um, anyways, the assignment had them investigate and research the demographics for each city in the county of Marin hmm. and research it from all the way back the beginning of the 20th century to now wow and i wanted them to see and analyze and think about the rates of how much the minority like groups and diverse groups have like increased decrease what years did they notice that it increased and decreased in um and i feel like they started to and the whole point of this assignment was for them to start to see how these this problem of redlining and this problem of um, like whatever is happening in the country at the time, um, how the how that even influenced how many um, like my more minority students they were like they were enrolling. Um, and this mm. wasn't even just the school that I was working in. This was like most public schools in Marin at the time. Um, and this is not like new knowledge. This is like every like everyone can know about this. Um, and I feel like that is something that is still persistent today. 
I've I've noticed that the, like different like communities who don't really have any experience um, like just with like working with or like interacting with minority groups like while always like promoting hey like in racism or like you know doing the Black Lives Matter but it's one thing to like promote that and then it's another thing to like promote that and not not have any experience of like how those groups like survive how they mm-hmm. live because you don't have any experience with them you they're they're nowhere to be found like you know in Marin of course I'm being dramatic um they live like we have a huge population um in some cities but the whole gist is no matter what and this is kind of like the hard truth that I had to realize we've definitely made um we've definitely made like positive changes like until like now like we've definitely come so far um from how just the educational like climate was in the 50s and the 60s um however just because we have gotten this far and just because we can finally say yes we're giving every student education doesn't mean that these problems don't persist it doesn't mean that like what you said like just because they're getting an the education doesn't mean it's a great education. Mm-hmm. Like, I saw this TikTok video, which is, I'm obsessed with, I've become obsessed with lately, TikTok. <laughs> um, and the teacher literally filmed an example of how government-funded classroom looks like in a teacher invested in community, like, supported classroom looks like and mm-hmm. obviously they were two totally different classrooms government funded one being the bare minimum tables chairs whiteboard chalkboard whatever and then the teacher funded one being obviously like you know all the great ways of how an education should look like mm-hmm. um so yeah i just feel like that's something as like society that we have to kind of work on, like, knowing that these problems still, like, persist and, like, they exist wholeheartedly and how we can, like, kind of acknowledge that and, like, fix it, like, step by, like, or piece by piece or just... Mm-hmm. No, and that's something that I struggle with more, like, for me, it's more so working in the mental health field and working primarily with, like, you know, low-income groups of people and kind of like that whole thing of like if someone isn't seeing it right in front of their face or if they don't love someone who's being impacted by you know a shitty education system it is hard to get people to pay attention to these issues right and I think this is making me think about that People do pay attention to teachers. People know that teachers struggle, right? And I'm just kind of thinking this right now, but where's the talk about the students? Like, Mm. and I mean, I feel bad for the teachers. I get it. But, like, that's such more of, like, a buzz topic is, like, oh, teachers should be paid more. Teachers, you know, and, again, all true. But, like... I don't know. What do you What do you think about that? So you're you're kind of saying like, have the conversation come from students themselves. Well, no, more so like, how can we highlight how the students are also being impacted? Right. So like, the teachers are trying to hold the classroom together, but what about the students in that classroom? Like, you and I know what they're facing and struggling with because we're right there in it, but if you're not right there in it, like, how do you think we can get people to care about this more? Yeah, no, that's, that is, like, literally, like, my challenge, right? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Like, I'll let you know in 50 years. (laughs) (laughs) No, like, I mean, that's what it boils down to, the students. Like, teachers should be paid more because they care so much about the students. Yeah. Like, our work is just totally just about how to make a positive impact 
um, and how we can effectively teach students so that they are successful in life. They're the future generation. So if we, you know, screw this up, um, and again, I'm being dramatic because it's also like, you know, caregivers and parent support, but you know, like the students spend most of the time with teachers. So it's obviously should be really focused on them and like how we can make sure that they're getting the education that they deserve. Um, how to make sure people understand that and see the differences in like different schools and districts. It's really hard. Um, it's, I feel like it takes, it takes a collective effort um, to highlight these problems on a mass scale. Um, and what I mean by that is getting, um, getting like your, your coworker, your co-teachers, um, your admin staff, um, to really project these problems on like any kind of level of, of, um, publicity, like either it's social media, um, like newsletters, emails. Um, I just feel like the more that we acknowledge like students plight and like their situation, um, the more that we can like kind of like have just more like people like, understand like where we're coming from, why we're like asking for these like, you know, and, and we shouldn't again be asking for these things, why we're asking for a higher salary um, because it always boils down to the student and the child. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I just feel like how to do that is always so much more complex than what we should do. Um, but I definitely do think it takes like a group effort Mm -hmm. You have to have support. It's not a, you, you can't do it alone. Um, and I feel like you have to have support either from like your, your, you know, your, your colleagues, um, even students. Like, I don't know if you've like been reading, um, I forget what state it was in, but I love this generation so much. <laughs> uh, or Gen Z, I should say. You love TikTok um, and Gen Z. Are you sure you're not yeah, in Gen Z? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, like I, I seriously love them so much because they, they are not afraid to stand up for what they believe in. Mm -hmm. Like, they're um, again, I forget which state, but there was a school, um, and this happened a couple of years ago, um, like right after COVID. Um, but they were protesting in front of their school, these group of students, and they were protesting um, about. Um, it was something wrong with their milk, like their school uh, hmm. district uh, found a way to get cheaper milk, but the milk was like, like bad. Nasty um, or unhealthy. <laughs> have, you, have you not heard about that? No, no, but I'm just imagining, I don't know okay. what could be wrong with the milk, but I'm sure it was Yeah, it was just, unacceptable. A, it was just a way to like cut like school like costs. Um, but yeah, like these students really like walk, did a walkout and just did picket signs and just protested, hey, like, you have all this money, government, and we can't, like, use that to get, like, like good milk for us. Um, mm -hmm. And I just felt, I felt that that was just so cool. And I've noticed that other students were, like, kind of doing these similar protests with, like, more, like, serious, well, I don't want to say more serious problems because milk is important. <laughs> <laughs> but... No, like, I just, I'm really proud of this generation and their ability to just stand up for what is right, um, no matter the possible consequences of, like, I don't know, uh, like, getting suspended, expelled, or yada yada. And that makes me to say, get student support to, like, mm. acknowledge these problems and these issues. I feel like... As a student, and you can, like, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm really curious to uh, hear about, like, your student experience in high school or, like, elementary, I don't know. But you just feel so helpless. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I feel like you you don't, you're not, you're told that you're not, and you know that you're not an adult yet, and you, you are probably kind of aware that some problems happen and exist in your school, but you don't know how to acknowledge them. Mm -hmm. Or you kind of rely on the adult acknowledging them for you. Mm -hmm. um, or at least that was my, like, mindset. 
Yeah, but the adults, and that kind of speaks to, like, a. I have a couple thoughts. One is, like, the adults are doing the teaching. They're doing the running of the schools. And so they're the ones who probably, like we were saying, care the most, but they're also just trying to manage this, you know, crappily run or, like, whatever, like, issues they're dealing with. That is, they're just trying to not get burnt out, let alone yes. advocate for these issues. Because yes. um, that frustrates me too. It's like the people who are on the ground are doing the work on the ground. So how can we draw in more people, right? Because I agree with you, there's power in numbers. And then too, I, I like the idea of the getting students involved because even platforms like TikTok, right? Like that is a way to educate people. Um, I saw a really awesome news story the other day that in Philly, they held a meeting with some type of city representatives and a bunch of local teenagers and the teenagers, like, were sitting at this, like, very formal-looking, you know, like, judicial round table, and they were speaking to their representatives about, like, what they think the youth needs. And, like, it made the news, it made its way to my timeline somehow, and that's... That creates buzz, that creates, yeah. like, the acknowledgement of, like, hey, these are problems that exist. Yeah. And, yeah, I... I, I'm glad that you mentioned TikTok because, again, this upcoming generation especially, I'm really curious on how technology is going to be in, like, 10 years. Um, but it gives them a platform. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying there's always pros and cons. Not everyone should have a platform. Uh, but it does help in, like, addressing, like, these this injustice or unjust systems or, you know, problems that exist. Um it's more easier to acknowledge those mm-hmm. on a larger scale versus if we were talking about 10 years ago. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's important for people to remember, and even myself, I have to remind myself, because I'm like you, I'm like, oh, I want to like fix the whole ginormous systemic issue like by myself. And mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, that's not going to happen, obviously. Like yeah. these are deep-rooted issues, but like every little bit helps and anything, anything at all that anyone can do um, is is something. And I think I sometimes feel, or I especially used to feel so intimidated by how deep these issues are that I felt helpless, kind of like a kid, right? And like, oh, well, I, what is, how am I going to make a difference? And well, me by myself, I probably won't. But if I can connect with other people and collaborate or educate, it's like the trickle-down trickle, trickle effect, like, or trickle mm-hmm. outwards. Like, that's what we need to do is just something. Like, the whole point is exactly. if, you, if you do nothing, then, then yeah, like, yeah, you know, you want to... I, I sometimes, now I'm thinking about, like, performative support versus like actual support but i'm just like any support any is good that's all that's all we need and yeah like i i feel like it's not just you who may feel helpless it's not me who may feel just like helpless it's i feel like it's everyone who may be interested in kind of um just supporting like, how to fix these problems, but feel, well, what, what can I do? What can me, my tiny person do? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's, I'm glad that you said that, because if more people realize that it just, it doesn't take just them, just, just do something. Mm-hmm. Just, like, be an upstander, you know? Like, there's upstanders, bystanders, like, be, do something a little every any little thing helps um to enact change a positive change right um, and i feel like that's really important going forward especially this school year yeah well and i'm i'm thinking about teacher burnout right now and i'm thinking about the teachers who enter the field being like i want to help and then they start to see these larger systemic issues or you know they don't have funding we were talking earlier about 
teachers having to spend their own money to decorate their classrooms, to get things for their students, to enhance their learning. And I feel like what ends up happening, tell me what you think, but these very enthusiastic, big-hearted individuals come into the education field ready to help the kids, and then they just get, like, beaten down by all of the, like, bullshit and that could include so many different things again depending where you're working like why are teachers doing so much work at home is that just a teacher thing I don't know but um like how do we prevent that burnout cycle you know and like the only way we will I think is to fix the larger issues otherwise we are just going to continue to rotate yeah and the wheel is just going to keep spinning and teachers are going to come into the field and then eventually it becomes a choice of like your own mental health or self-care or sanity or life versus this thing that you were once very passionate about and it sucks has to something seems like it has to give like you can't have both of it um which is unfortunate like to think that you know um but no i was just i feel like as a new teacher this year I feel like it's kind of the scenario of, you know, like, how you get, like, a new job. Um, Of course, you don't know any, like, problems with the company, or I hope that you don't, um, with the company or organization, whatever you're working for. Um, You know, it's like the honeymoon phase. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you're working there from time to time, or you've been working there for a time, and you start to see, like, those problems, you know? Like, um, and yes, I do feel like that's with any job. However, I feel like with teaching, again, it's, you're teaching with the heart. You're doing that job with your heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying that you're not doing any other job with your heart, but you're, you're working with kids day after day. And so you can't just leave that at school and then go home and then not think about it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, and I feel like that's what kind of... Um, encourages teacher burnout because they feel like I, they have no time to think about other like like personal life things or so like um like their their own home lives um because they're too busy thinking about the well-beings of their students mm-hmm. um any other person would say well just don't do that like have a clock in clock out mentality you know which again a lot of gen z people are starting to you know take on which I guess I, I applaud you. Like, yeah, have the ability teach to, like, me. <laughs> oh, yeah, teach me. Like, how can I not work outside of my corporate hours? Um, <laughs> but, again, that's I feel like that is the very um, the murky nature of the teaching profession. And I feel like even, like, the like the mental health and, like, um, like, your profession even, like, you can't – it's really hard for you to just put a stop to yeah the well-being of the people you work with um and like these issues that exist you have to find Mm -hmm. a way to do something um so how to prevent that like i i i said this um before but you have to be really really passionate and very like just so like into like what you're doing and and always think about what you're doing it for Mm mm-hmm I feel like that has kind of like helped me through um, my teaching program, and hopefully it'll help me through these next like couple of years. Um, again, I I'm like a virgin. Like I don't I don't know anything mm-hmm. about like, or I don't know as much as like a experienced veteran teacher will know. Um, so I do know that I love working with kids. I love teaching. I love what I do. And so I feel like I am committed to really making sure that my students have positive educational experience while also setting some boundaries as far as it comes to, like, my mental health. So, I, yeah, I just – I feel like it's it's not – it depends on the person. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, Emily, honestly, like, if we have this conversation, like – in six months. 
I was just thinking. <laughs> like, how do, you, how do you feel now? I can literally be, I am ready to quit. Oh my uh, gosh, we'll have to do a follow-up, like, <laughs> a year in or something. And I'm, I'm wondering, because even, I know, like you said, you've had some school exposure, but, like, do you... Because, obviously, addressing it on an individual level is one thing, right? Just, like, focusing on, well, I'm going to give my students the best experience possible. I'm yes. going to take care of myself as best as possible. Have you ever come across any initiatives that teachers can get involved in or administrators can get involved in or any, like, organization within the school to advocate for these things? Have you seen much of that at all? So not, not personally, and I and I feel like that will definitely be something to like, like spread around for like other teachers. You know, yeah, no, um, I feel like like it's been a negative, or I shouldn't say negative, um, just a learning about how to be a teacher and like the schooling. My experience sometimes have often been like, oh, like. You're gonna be a teacher? Why? Like from mm -hmm. teachers? Oh my um, gosh! So yeah, that that makes me like wonder. Like, have I seen like? Are there like initiatives um, at some schools or districts that they focus on these things? Um, how to prevent teacher burnout? Um, I haven't I haven't found them. Um, yeah. Because I feel like it definitely helps. Yeah. Uh, I think it helps to connect with other people who have just as much passion, right? Yes. Um, like, for example, like, I have joined a committee at my workplace that actually, like, speaks directly with legislators about children's behavioral health, and, like, that was such an eye-opening and, like, validating experience for me to just come together with other people who also see the things that I see and care about the things that I see, and then together we can brainstorm what can we do about it. So maybe even just more, like, teachers getting together. Yeah. Um, yeah, now, I don't there know. There are, like, several, like, social, or I should, like, say, um, teacher organizations that kind of, like, um like department like organization or course like whatever you're teaching like so for example i'm teaching like history um there's like history specific teacher organizations that you can join you can be a member um and these are like these are separated by um like city so you'll be able to like meet in person if you wanted to um someone else in like your organization anyways um they Probably they they probably do this, but I know that they kind of talk about like you know like the the content standards like different ways to like engage students like you know those like pedagogical like topics and things. Um, but I wonder, I'm really curious on if they kind of like talk about like this issue of like you know like how can you like really like consider your like your yourself as like you know a person like your mental health. Um, how can you keep that in check to, like, make sure that you're doing a great job for your students, like, you're being there? Um, I'm sure that they they have to, like, talk about that at some point. Um, yeah. But you, that got me thinking about those kind of organizations. Um, and there's probably some organizations, too, that are, I would guess, that are focused even just on, like, the education system. And, yeah. in fact, maybe we can do some research or Google some things, see yeah. what's out there. And we hey. are wrapping up, like, kind of running out of time, but I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's even more we could talk about because I'm thinking, too, about even, like, school curriculum and just yeah. the the controversy. And, like, I guess maybe, like, yeah, I don't know. How, like, is there any kind of thoughts on how we can have these conversations in a productive way and in a way where everyone is on the same team and it's not about like you know we were talking about like race earlier right like that can yes. get really controversial or like people get triggered if they're told like you know your school's better off because you have white privilege like how can we 
do you think as a society like come together more to problem solve as opposed to be so polarized over education related issues yeah that's again like another like um kind of like hard truth that i realized because data has like showed demonstrates us that we have never been more polarized as a nation like as ever before like compared to like now modern times so that polarization is there and it's it's rampant it's all around us and how to combat that like in our schools it's even more harder because you're you're working with parents children like their their children mm. um so i feel like that's in a way like i try to understand both sides but i just like i don't know like i if and luckily, I live in California. Again, I feel like we're pretty liberal and just we don't really have the problems like regarding curriculum. But I feel like what teachers are trying to show to like the parents who you know are in conflict with this, um, and even like legislators, we're not trying to do harm. Mm-hmm. Teachers, like I mean, that's. Like, I don't want to compare us to surgeons or, like, you know, medical, like, <laughs> staff, but we kind of, like, have to agree that we ha- we're trying to not do any harm to, like, you know, students' yeah. well-being or, like, you know, their educational experience or, you know? Yeah. Um, we have their, the best intentions for them. We've trained for this. We've studied for this. And... We are kind of like the experts, you know, in our field, like, or whatever we're teaching. Hopefully, we should be. Um, so I feel like that's something that teachers have tried to be, have tried to do in some states that are really against this, or like trying to like modify the curriculum. Um, and I just think that it just takes, like, I don't know, it just takes time and effort. Like, it's like the what we've been talking about this past hour, like <laughs> getting the word out there that. Like, for example, I'm just going to, like, mention, like, history. Like, that's a big conflict right now. It's not one person's history. It's our history. It, mm-hmm. what, it's what makes us America. And if we are afraid to confront that, then, like, these problems are just going to continue existing. Right. Um, and I feel like TikTok and YouTube and the news – they have always, they've always been great advocates of getting the word out there, of getting these teacher voices in these um, state and local meetings. Their their voices out there to the public and say, "Hey, this is this is all we're trying to do. We're trying to help these kids. We're trying to have them be successful, have a you know just a great and positive future for our country." Mm-hmm. Um, so, long story short. I feel like it just takes, again, continual effort and determination to just try to, like, do what's best for your students um, Mm -hmm. the best way you know how. And I feel like as we continue to move forward as society, it's just, you know, it's only a matter of time before we're all, like, on one accord. I hope so. Less polarized, you know? Right? I have that hope. I, I do, too. And I like that sentiment of trusting teachers like that's the word that was coming to my mind like just trust and I imagine most people maybe those parents that are freaking out over curriculum or books or whatever like they're probably just experiencing fear of you know change societal change but like you said like America is a young country if you really think about it and so we are gonna change and transform and hopefully the more we can speak up on our own personal experiences maybe we can start to better understand each other understand where people are coming from you know reduce misunderstanding um, yes because that's I mean, that's often the problem like that's where the problem exists misunderstanding and when we can reduce that I feel like it helps alleviate um, or just kind of take away that issue. And you, I mean, even just this and you coming and sharing all of the knowledge and experience that you did share, like, you're moving the needle forward, right? Like, you are 
you're doing it, right? And you're also doing the teaching thing. And I think your students are so lucky and you're gonna be an amazing teacher. This will be your first official school year, right? Where you're like first head year. teacher. First year. Oh my gosh. Yes. So exciting. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Emily. Um, yeah, super exciting. I'm super like nervous, but hey, like I, I feel like I, I've been really called. I've been called to do this for a long time now. So it's mm -hmm. good to see it through. Yes, and thank you for sharing just, again, your your thoughts, opinions on the education system. Thank you for entertaining my questions. Thank you for being patient with our audio issues earlier. What audio issues? <laughs> <laughs> audio issues. <laughs> okay, so thanks, Ruben. Take care. Thanks, Emily.